And I just got a notification. We are live. Well, good, because I forgot to mute our mic sensor us in, but whatever. Oh. Um, <laughs> it's fine. Dang it, Francisco. But uh, if anybody has any concerns as to the screen right now, this is on purpose. This is actually not a technical difficulty, which is surprising to say given our track record but uh i am blacking out our screen for now in solidarity with the blackout tuesday that's going down today so uh this is 66 episode of sports goofs uh we just keep on rolling but uh more stuff keeps happening that's out of that's within the sports realm that's outside the sports realm at this point i'm welcoming the mortar hornets um <laughs> maybe they're maybe they will solve all the issues and that's why they're coming here from japan um kind of like godzilla in the godzilla movie he just pops out when you need him just every couple thousand years he just comes out takes down some kaiju and then leaves <laughs> so um yeah so i don't know where to start to be honest because uh, i hadn't planned on ever doing something like this, but I don't think anybody planned on what was happening over the past week. So, so guys, uh, there's a lot of racial tensions going on right now. And that is a massive understatement, Francisco. (laughs) Uh, And I'm not laughing because I think it's funny. I'm laughing because of, uh, I don't know. I, I watch comedy and I try to make light of situations, even though it's hard to make light sometimes. Um, but it has allowed me and a ton of other people in the world to actually sit down and think about some things. Yesterday, I had a absolutely, I don't know, probably one of the best conversations I ever had with my dad regarding what's going on. Um, I mean, we went from everything. I, I, I started breaking down history. I I guess I got my history degree for something at Florida state. (laughs) Um, I just went from, you know, Hammurabi's code. eye for an eye. I went from there all the way to anarchists in the late 1800s in the United States to today. I mean, I went all over the place. Um, I went. I threw in some law stuff because I guess I got a degree for that too for some reason. Um, but it was probably like the most articulate I've been in a, quite a while, which is surprising to say because I go to court <laughs> and talk in front of judges. Preach. But um, and I've I've done amazing things in court myself, but. Um, You're but a magician, was, man. I kind of really? put everything. I, I don't know that. I, I, I kind of went in a monologue that put everything together. And so we, I mean, we just started talking about all types of stuff. I went socioeconomic. I went uh, religious. I went right. I went everywhere. Um, and I think most of us have a myriad of feelings as to what's going on from um, fear, anger, sadness, um, but there are some uplifting things too. That's that's hopefully what people are going to focus on from here on out to try and uh, flip the negative into a positive. 
Um, I'm going on and on right now, but I'm just trying to find a way to collect my thoughts. So I apologize to the, the two of you. Um, if you guys want to jump in, jump in whenever you want. I mean, I guess I'll go. Um, it's for most of the population. It's a very large part part of the population. Ignore that. What happened in Minnesota was despicable. Uh, yes. There, I really can't even think of a good word for what happened. Uh, you know, I might be able to go through a thesaurus, but and I think that'll just come up short. Um, it's it's another in a line of despicable acts that have happened, and. People protest, and I gotta say, I understand the the riots, the the looting, and whatever. Um, but I mean, normally I I'm disagree with looting, and you know, I have a lot of conflicting feelings on this. I mean, the only thing, the only two things that I'm certain about are what happened was despicable and I love the protests. I'm so happy that they're happening. Um, you know, we keep saying, you know, we'll never let this happen again, but it keeps happening. Uh, whether it's by the police, in the case of George Floyd, uh, or extrajudicially by I forget his name that's terrible Omri uh, who happened uh -huh. who happened like a week ago before this um, it's it's terrible it's despicable I I am at a loss for words I can't think of a good word to describe what is happening um, I just hope that some actual change comes out of this. You know, I I swing between optimist and pessimist. Um, you know, part of me says, you know, maybe this will be the time that there will be real real change, or that we'll start going toward real change. And then part of me says, I mean, we kept saying that about. Um, God, I can't. I can't even remember their names. There's so many. Um, the the young boy in 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 Sanford. Um, Trayvon Martin. Trayvon. Thank yeah. you, Trayvon Martin. Um, the incident in Ferguson back yeah. in 2015. Uh, the fact that I can't remember their names is bad. I should be able to remember their names, but it's bad because I can't remember so many and you know I feel bad about that um, it, and I, I'm not going to I could say something else but I don't even want to go there because this is political enough as it is but it shouldn't be political 
But that's yeah, that's that's very good point. It, I mean, it shouldn't be political <laughs> that people want to live in peace and not have to worry about oh crap, am I going to get get a knee to the back of the neck? Uh, am I going to get shot for buying a candy bar? Um, you know, telling a police officer, "Look, I'm carrying a gun." Just letting you know, I am I am carrying a weapon, and that didn't seem to matter. It shouldn't be a political issue, but somehow it is. And you know, I you guys probably know, but for the audience, I'm a disability advocate. That was mm. basically my career, if you will, uh, before going to law school. Uh, kind of the family business, I guess. Um, I was thinking about it. I was writing a blog, and a big problem is that people are afraid of the, of that which is different. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's it's genetic, if you will. It's it's a remnant of how we were back in the caveman days. You know, I don't recognize them. They must be dangerous. Be on your guard. And it takes a long time to break something that ingrained in us. Um, I like to think that a lot of us have. Um, you know, science fiction has tried to lead us in the right direction. Look at uh, Star Trek, particularly Next Generation, mm -hmm. where Vulcans are working alongside Klingons. Um, you know, you have peace. You have peace treaties with unfamiliar races. It's like they see you for who you are. Men and women are equal. Um, that's the way it should be, in my opinion. But it's not, and that's what these protests are about. That's what all of these protests for forever. You know, going back to the the, the civil rights. Uh, movement back in the 1960s with Dr. King. Um, you have the Stonewall Riots. You have uh, the Capitol Crawl for people with disabilities in 1989, 1990 mm -hmm. uh, that got the Americans with Disabilities Act passed. So you're always trying to move forward, and sometimes you do, but you s eventually you kind of understand that which is different is still scary to some people and you just kind of try to that's the point of these protests is to bring awareness to this so that hopefully more and more people start to see you know that which is different isn't so scary you know let me open my mind a little bit and realize you know this man over here he may have a different skin color than me but we are the same. Um, you know, it's funny. I, I kept telling myself, you know, I'm not going to talk about this. I mean, not not because I'm not not supportive. You know, I'll be probably I'll be making a donation probably to like the ACLU or the NC NAACP. But I didn't want to say anything because. You know, I'm afraid my boss will find out or 
maybe it'll affect further employment for me, but I don't know, kind of having this platform, which, I mean, we have maybe one viewer right now, so not a lot of people are listening. Um, although I'm sure, like, the Japanese or Russians will hear this. Hi, guys. How are you doing? Oh, and they're, tra- they're wondering what the heck is going on over there, by the way, or over here. Right. <laughs> it's true. No. Well, I've seen the I comments. Mean, I mean, you've got protests right now uh, internationally. You've got Germany, you've got New Zealand, you've got Canada, um, probably several other countries standing in support with the Black Lives Matter protests. Um, So, yeah, I wasn't going to say anything because, call it selfish, but I wanted to kind of stay under the radar and build a bit more immunity, if you will, you know, so I'm not, you know, oh crap, if I say the wrong thing, I'll get fired or blacklisted, but I don't know, I just couldn't anymore, Um, and this is as not that much of a public venue to do so, so I feel a little more comfortable doing it, Mm. but something's got to change, guys, it's... Mm. It's ridiculous. It's again, ridiculous doesn't cut it. Despicable doesn't cut it. Words can't cut it. It's just a deeply held gut feeling. It's deep that what is happening generally is wrong, but that these protests are so right. Okay. Um. Uh, uh, Charles, do you, do you want to say anything? Um, your part. Yeah, I mean, it's always tough and it's always complicated because I, I you know, I have a 12 year old nephew, and I mean, I got a lot of nieces and nephews, but this one I'm particularly fond of. Um, he, okay. you know, he, ah, you know, you, you can pick favorites, right? Um, but I remember going and watching the news when we went to my brother-in-law's birthday on Saturday and it, it's a different kind of environment each household is different this household you know is Hispanic you know El Salvadorian you know Puerto Rican kind of mix in there not my ethnicities but that's just to kind of give some backstory and you know he's got his mom his dad his stepmama which is my sister and then you know all the connected family so everybody has a different opinion and to have somebody that's so young trying to understand what's going on because you're taught one different dynamic with as a kid and usually it's I would say unless your parents are anarchists or parents are very off the rail you're usually told to respect the infrastructure respect the system respect the boys and girls in blue and then all this other stuff that kind of comes in mind you there's always that kind of prejudice that your family instills into you because you're children you're malleable but him being in 12 um trying you know I, I just figure you know it's a different kind of familiarity I don't pride myself much on my education I pride myself on my openness but to kind of give himself a different perspective as an attorney I think is with the obligation of being an uncle a I guess a father figure I think I kind of vomited in my mouth saying that mm-hmm. but you know I was like come on let, let's go talk for a little bit let me kind of tell you certain things because to me and I've been saying this to a lot for people and I he, you know, I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, you guys have known me for a long time. I don't like humanity. I'm not a big fan of it. Um, if you guys have seen season one True Detective, I feel like Russ Cole half the time, where we're just a, sometimes we're a disease, but there's also sometimes good in this world. 
Um, and I say that because I'm just a spurned old man. It happens. But to see this child and try to kind of explain to him that I, I talk to him like he's an adult. I don't talk to him like a kid. And what I told him was, you know, this is a very complex issue that there may be the right answers. There may be the wrong answers. And part of it is subjective and objectivity is thrown out. But, um, you know, there's people who have suffered for many, 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 many years, hundreds of years. And there's other people who have not really suffered. They've just been afflicted and all this other stuff that you tell kids because I look at it the last couple of days and there's two things that come into my mind. Three things, I'll say. One, whatever that we're doing, and I, I, I never thought myself to be preachy. It discusses me because I like to be in the corners. Remember whatever we do, whether it's protest for one side, protest for the other, or be very, very, very um, obnoxiously ignorant towards the sufferings of other groups and cultures, remember the kids are watching. And remember the kids are listening. And remember that they're viewing either your positions of how you feel and how you act out on those feelings. Because they're always watching, they're always learning, and those are who we develop now at the precarious ages of 12, 6, 4, 16. Um, so what we should do, you know, is not just going to define who we are in their eyes, but also will help them get an idea of humanity and society. And maybe they don't become as jaded like me, maybe. The other thing is that there's never really a, a proper way to protest, right? Some people might feel that they have to go with the peaceful marching. There's others who have felt that um, they have to go violent. I'm not a big proponent of violence, even though you guys know my cage segment. I like wrestling because lives can be at stake, good, bad, you know, black, white, Hispanic, whatever mixtures, cop, non-cop, it can be concerning, but we want to understand that bringing along to the teaching of the kids is also, you don't want to put yourself in a situation where you're endangering somebody, you know, endangering yourselves. You might be subjecting yourself to greater harm when there's a better alternative and you just don't know it yet, but it's kind of tough because what if that's all they know they feel? So, Part of it's giving respect to that side. And the third thing I would say is that if you're going to do this, I don't know what the right way of doing this, but if you're if you're going to the protesting, be more than just a social media movement. Be be consistent, uh, because that tenacity and that vigil vigilant uh, behavior, and I'm not saying behavior in a bad way, but like wanting to show and say, hey, we have issues, we want to address it. It does not solve itself in a week. It does not solve itself because everybody does something on social media. I mean, I, I guess that's a step. I, I'm not very social media friendly. You guys know this. It's one of the things I wish I could kind of do more for the show. But I, I think sometimes you need to be constant and don't just like do a checklist. If I could did this so everybody knows where we are, go vote. If you want to see something that's truly moving, one of a great rappers, Killer Mike, um, you know, known for Run the Jewels and everything like that. I know it's an ironic name given the science, but he gave a very impassionate speech in Atlanta about what his people could do. It was very raw. It was very real. And it gave say, it's like, go vote. Deal with how you want to address the process um, with mayors and state attorneys and district attorneys who won't prosecute these things or at least have an open dialogue with police about you know, what kind of practices they should do. And and here's the thing, too, that everybody needs to understand is that not everybody's a 100% winner. Not everybody's self is a 100% loser. There's going to be wins and losses and finding the right way to do things. But be tenacious and don't let this just kind of be a media fad and don't let this be a flavor of the week because I'll, I'll tell you guys right now, 2020 has just been the pure definition of being 
in for the moment and that's it because we start out with Tiger King and no one even talks about that show anymore, right? And then we have like Murder Hornets and don't let this just become a blip on the radar when we say that June was just the, uh, let's just talk about, you know, civil rights and all this other stuff and police brutality and just forget about it come July when we have the overlords from Uranus coming back to uh, reclaim the planet or Mars or Jupiter. So those are my three things is that um, for how I take away and, you know, maybe this jaded man comes back into it, but the kids are always watching. So, you know, shape the world in their eyes of who they should be in the future as young men and women as leaders. Um, I don't know if there's a right way to protest, but let's try not to have a lot of civilian casualties. It's easy to say than done right on both sides, but, you know, we, we want to do that. And then three, just keep it constant. Don't let this just be a blip in radar because, you know, Tiger King is going to want to make a sequel. He just, Baskin's just got his land. So, you know, Netflix is already there. They want to be your distraction. Don't, don't let, don't let anything get distracted. Right. Uh, um, I'm going to keep going with that. Um, one of the things that was part of the conversation of me and my dad were talking about is people basically don't lose focus on the real issue here. Yeah. Because there are people trying to deflect and use the situation to their advantage that are outside of the message, which is really um, the focal point is black Americans want to be African Americans, uh, want to be treated as equals, and don't want to be subject to police brutality. Yep. It's as simple as it can get. And subject to it, especially because they're black and police officers assume the worst racial profile and you see what happens. So the, that's the important thing is to not to lose focus. It's not about blue lives matter because that's a deflection. It's not all lives matter because that's also a deflection. Um, I tweeted out something. Andrew, you liked it about... Um, a guy, he's a Sandinista, um, which is the political party in power in Nicaragua, uh, the current dictator there, uh, Daniel Ortega. And he was in there with the protest, and they were trying to use that as a platform to expound, say, hey, we're with Black Lives Matter. They, they're not with Black Lives Matter. Yeah. They are just as racist out there in Nicaragua because there are black Nicaraguans out there. Um, and I've had to go to court in immigration court and plead asylum for people coming to the United States because of the oppressions they face over there based on their political opinion or their race in Nicaragua because of the Sandinistas. So there are people trying to take advantage. And so it's important to not lose focus on, on, on what this came about for. Um, remember who... Try and figure out, try and look up uh, who are the real people who are trying to help this movement. Because there are a lot of people out there that are, once again, I said, trying to take this and use this as an advantage for their um, political agendas, what have you, uh, racial agendas. And so um, be smart. Be smart. Ask questions. Ask questions, be smart, do your research, be reasonable. Be reasonable. Um, if it, I mean, we, we were, you know, we we're taught 
I guess I guess we learned something in law school, to, you know, to look up both sides. There's a gray area, blah blah blah, you know. Um, but a lot of people don't have the education that we have. Yeah. Um, one thing you said, Charles. Some people don't know how to react to this. Some people think violence is the only way, and it's up to people who who have a higher uh, status or who have more experience or who have a higher education to help lead the folks who may not have that and don't know how to process what's going on. Um, like, as you said, you, you talk to somebody that was younger than you, your nephew. Um, I talked with my father. I talked to him about history and stuff. My father's a smart guy and everything, but we had to sit down and like, we, you know, people go on emotion. A lot of people are going on emotion right now. A lot of people are, are just going straight on emotion. And, um, you know, when a lot of the, when that happens, you lose your sense of reason. So um, it's important to try and take a step back, try and listen, try and read, try and look things up, read up about history, read up about all types of stuff. Try and get inspired. You know what I did before, an hour before the show? For the last hour before this? I read up on Joe Lewis. I read up on Jackie Robinson. Um, it may seem cliche, but I felt like, man, these guys uh, were fighting for something so, a long time ago, and the fight is still going on, but I want to see what, how they did it and what they were doing. Um, and especially Jackie Robinson, he said the most important thing for him uh, he told Hank Aaron, he's like, um, you know, it's uh, really the most exciting part or the part you can do most is with your post-playing career, what you do afterwards, because you'll have more time. You'll have more chance to use everything that you, all the, all the, I don't know, clout, what you would say, or, or notoriety, your platform, use that to help propel things forward and a lot of we're gonna I'll, I'll try and wrap it back to sports here i mean i'm already talking about jackie robinson right now but um a lot of current athletes are trying to do that right now um the hope i mean i saw some i think there were some guys that were out in tampa some uh nfl players that were there they were helping up with the cleaning after some of the the riots and destruction around that area. Um, there, it's all about trying to. Uh, once the emotion is is settles down, it's to harness and, uh, like you said, Charles, the tenacity is to keep it going, but with a a, a focus, a plan, and with people who can truly help lead the others help lead other people and it's not necessarily just people who are african-american it can be anybody it can be asians it can be native american hispanic or white <laughs> yeah. i shouldn't have to think man uh i shouldn't have to i shouldn't have to think i can pass as a white guy but sometimes i do i mean 
damn right. You know, that's the weird part. Like something I want to chime in. I've been. I've been to parts of the country. I mean, you guys know. I've been to. I've been everywhere. Yeah. In this in this place, I've been places that you didn't think people would live there, but they live there. And I've always thought that I can, I can pass as a white guy if I if I have to. (laughs) But it sucks that I have to think that it sucks that I have to be worried about certain people in my family it's about, it sucks that I have to worry about um, that type of stuff but it's not like like for me personally it's not like I um, I can't rec- uh, recognize the difficulty of being a police officer my when I, my master's degree I interned with the Palm Beach County Sheriff's Office I was with police officers I rode alongside them their job isn't easy. It's not. Yeah. It's not. It's not an easy job. I'm sure we, uh, Charles. I mean, you're in. You're in DV. I'm sure yeah. you've interacted with a lot of police officers. Um, it's it's not an easy job. My best friend from college. He's a police officer right now. He started his career. I called him this past weekend to make sure he was all right. So it's not like. Uh, this is multi-layered. This is not people try and make it simple and it's not. It's not a simple thing. People want to people want some people want you to think it's simple. It's <laughs> I, I'm sorry, I'm saying this. It's either black or white. <laughs> it's not. There are so many. It is I don't, what, what the hell was that marble cake thing that we learned in law school? Oh, or something about yeah. a marble. Was that Civ Pro? If that if it was, then forget it. I hate that. Um <laughs> I mean, Uh, what is chicken is usually the thing that I remember most out of law school coming out of contracts. But marble cake, I don't remember it, man. I remember. I mean, I I remember it, but I don't remember which class it was from. All right. Well, I'm going to assume it's Civ Pro, in which case I hate that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But it's it's so multi-layered, and this thing runs so deep uh, historically that you can't just explain it that simply for people. And so the idea is take, well, there's time. There is so much time in this world, people. There is so much hours in the day. You can look stuff up. Yeah, everybody, uh, we have all, we have pretty much all the knowledge of humanity in the world in our pockets now. And you know, some people choose not to look stuff up. We're taught to learn. I mean, our careers are looking stuff up. But people do it for yourselves. Have have uh, uh, Take some time. Figure it out. And um, there are some people you're not going to convince. Don't focus on them. There's others. So, oh, man, we're, we're 30 minutes in. Um, anybody else want to say something? Yeah, I don't think there's much more we can say. Yeah, I mean, this is just a few days in. It's the yeah. conversation is not over. Yeah, Mm-mm. the conversation, the only... but the fact that we're having one is it's a good start. There yeah. you go. The the only thing I kind of want to address upon because I thought you said and I think it matters a lot is that people also need to realize, and I I think this is kind of one of the the issues that I try to tell my nephew is that it's it's not even just for protection of you know, black American citizens, you mentioned as well, this, you, you can have other people of color as well in those same situations or, you know, anybody from the Middle East, anybody from, 
um, you know, in a Hispanic race. So it, it's associated them. And it's also going to have a secondary benefit to those people too that come into it. You know, to address the complications of excessive force, police brutality. So I thought you mentioned it, um, not like fully, but it was something that popped into my brain because sometimes that's the benefit of speaking out of voice. It's going to help out other cultures and classes as well because the idea is that maybe you know we, we live in a world where sometimes there's that extreme violence that might target to a group i mean look after 9 11 and I, I don't want to get into too much of that but there were certain class types that were prejudiced there was prejudice here with the new administration that came in you know about if anybody who's illegal right so it it, it could be it Wait, could be with the, vi- with the virus the virus too exactly you know what is done here and who knows it'll be done right, but can have a good consequence and a good benefit to more than just a group that people say are trying to get any kind of pandering or um, special spotlight moments. Because I heard somebody say that I was kind of disgusted by that. But um, but you know, at the end of the day, who knows, right? We're just here goofing around, the three of us trying to get some sports and real life talking. Yeah. Um, man, there's so much more I could say. I don't know if. Um, well, the uh, the rest of the stuff I could say is probably stuff that doesn't help anything, so I'm not going to say it. All right. Do you guys want to move on and get to the actual goofy part of our show? Absolutely. Okay. It's a, you know, uh, if man, 2020 is going to be, uh, we're not even halfway there. I mean, we're we're getting, well, we're kind of sort of close to the halfway point officially. Uh, yeah, we've got, got like 20 days to go to the midpoint. Okay, roughly. I'm looking at that super volcano that's in Yellowstone National Park. Oh, I'm God. betting that one's going to go off this year. So let me ask you guys something. What do you think <laughs> 2020's non-sponsor would be? Would it be Kleenex for for our tears and our sufferings and for our sneezes? Would it be, <laughs> um, you know, would it be Lowe's for all our stuff? Would it it'd probably be Amazon, right? <laughs> you know, you can get... You can get your gloves and your Tiger King DVDs and then also your protective gear and your protesting stuff. I, I feel like t- Amazon's probably going to try to take the cake. And there's going to be Bezos in the corner and be like, I am 2020. Oh, I mean, he is. Oh, uh, fun, fact, a, fun fact, a judge awarded control of uh, the zoo to Carol Baskin. I saw. <laughs> hey, you see, that's how it all comes in, you know. <laughs> It's how it all comes connected, and that's how we're going to get our Tiger King sequel. Mm-hmm. Oh, but they'll call it Tiger Queen? I mean, you have to capitalize it on Netflix, just as they would have yeah. to do with Jammed, the Make it a future... Franchise. Yeah, the future franchise right there, just as Jammed, our TV show that we created, and then Aces. <laughs> well, well, I thought Jam was the sequel to Sausage Fest. Well, it's the... It, the way that Dodgeball, a true underdog story, is a sequel to Heavyweights... Starring Ben Stiller, um, both movies, is the way that Jammed is the sequel to Sausage Fest. You're connecting it to the universes. Unless, here's my shout out, Sony Pictures and everybody affiliated with Sausage Fest wants to option my idea, and I'll sell out for $10,000 right now. I got a car to pay off. And you guys can do what you want with it. Hint, hint, wink, wink. And then Aces, I mean, what's the Williams sisters doing right now? Nothing. And wouldn't they want to go save the world from secret agent terrorists who are opposing uh, tennis by the name of Golf with a cameo by Tiger Woods and his secret organization by the name of Clubs? I personally think, you know, that we can do this. 
Oh boy. Um, can I get our our uh, player we can rubber forget in here? I'll just by all means. I'll start off with that one. Uh, before <laughs> clubs. Um. All right, guys. So I I had planned this out before all this stuff happened, but uh, it was just something that I saw by Gary Sheffield's son on Twitter and something that I had to mention because it, it ties into our uh, somebody that we respect a lot here. Uh, our player we remember to forget is Phil Nevin. Ah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, all right. So there's Phil Nevin, third base and first base, outfield. Uh, played for a bunch of teams here. So he played for uh, the Houston Astros, the Detroit Tigers, the LA Angels, San Diego Padres, Texas Rangers, Chicago Cubs, and the Minnesota Twins. Uh, played at Cal State Fullerton. Uh, Andrew, team name? Cal uh, Fullerton? Yeah. Titans. The Titans, okay. Uh, won the Is that right? Huh? Is that right? I, I don't know. I'm, that's why I'm asking you. Double <laughs> checking, although I'm 95% sure I'm right here. All right. Well, uh, confirm it. He won the 92 Golden Spikes Award, which is the best college player uh, for that season. I think they lost the College World Series that year. Although they was... did end up winning recently ish, I think within the past two decades. Yeah, but not while he played. Right. So, yeah, he was drafted first overall in the 1992 draft. He has a 15.9 war, got 208 home runs in his career, 270 batting average. Side note, I was, side note, I was correct. It is nice. the Titans. Damn, yeah. man. Yeah, you are on the ball. I mean, uh, he is, could we, he's like the rain man of knowing <laughs> minor league teams, if that's okay to say. <laughs> Um, Don't test me, man. Don't test me. <laughs> he is currently the New York Yankees third base coach. And that's how I remember his name coming in. Mm-hmm. And here's a little trivia. So Hal Newhauser, the Houston Astros scout, that uh, eventually he was... Uh, he wanted the Houston Astros, they had the first pick, he wanted them to draft Derek Jeter first overall in 1992. And he, the Astros decided not to. And Newhauser was so convinced that Jeter would anchor a team, he quit in protest. The Astros drafted Nevin, believing Jeter would ask for too much money to forego playing for, I think he was going to play for the Michigan Wolverines, uh, rather than uh, uh, go straight to the minors or something and get a professional contract. So that's why Phil Nevin was chosen over Derek Jeter. Uh, Phil Nevin, and here's the, the 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 sad part for the Astros. So they brought him up in 1995. He only played 18 games for them, and then they flipped him to Detroit for a but I don't know a couple other guys. I I think uh, for like a relief pitcher that he even re-signed with them that year. 96, the Yankees win the World Series. Jeter gets his first of five rings, and uh, well, the Astros never legitimately won a World Series ever since. They have hey, never won a World Series. Huh? Francisco, are you playing uh, Cookie Counter? No, I'm not. Charles? How many billion cookies are you making right now? Um, 
because I hear it in the background. Someone's playing it. Oh, I'm playing Injustice. I'm, oh. I'm so like it's the. I'm just going back to a little bit of the tutorial, and so my dingin's going off for every mess up that I have. Because side note, but fighting games can kind of eat a big one sometimes because <laughs> you you're following the tutorials and you're like I've hit those buttons, but the difference between a millisecond. And a second is sometimes all they need and is super infuriating, if I could say so myself. And, you know, there's your degree of fighting games that you like. I like the Injustice because me and the nephew were playing Mortal Kombat, and so I got to the the craving of the Netherrealm games because mm. it's a good kind of, like, background to play here as my dog barks it up. So excuse them for whatever reason. <laughs> you know, they, they, they heard me like, how dare you talk bad about this fighting game? Um... So, you know, if you hear me breathing heavily, it's because I'm kind of getting angry in the background with me not being able to make a proper combo even though I'm pressing the buttons. So that's, that's not cookie combo. It's uh, Charles can't do combos in Injustice 2 for the PS4 and a lot gotcha. of consoles. Yeah, it, it'll be a little hard for me to produce the show and hit the mouse repeatedly at a record, at like a breakneck pace to get a bunch of cookies editor, so I just can't. Um, but uh, okay, so uh, oh, so in the back on the on the the video game in the background today is NBA Live '06, and so that's what's going down over there. If anybody's interested in that, anyways, so yeah, that's my that's my player. So so Phil Nevin, the Astros, uh, well, they screwed themselves. <laughs> So, uh, did anybody else have a player? I, I could give you one. Okay. So, you know, we're thinking about old games, and, you know, Francisco sent out the kind of list of, oh, hey, you know, Madden gets relicensed. And, uh, yeah. you know, with, with Madden, you, you would play so much of, and I don't think it's fair to kind of say, hey, this guy to me is you know, trash or anything like that. He's not. I think he's kind of a, um exceptional human being. But, you know, we forget about him because running backs tend to have a very short lifespan in the NFL, mm. uh, probably the position that kind of disappears. And even more so with uh, free agent running backs who don't get drafted. So to me, and he's a former Texan, and he's a former Dolphin, um, I believe he he kind of really kind of blew up a little bit in those years where it was Gary Kubiak. So Arian Foster, for me, is a player we remember to forget. And it's not so much of, like, he's bad. I still remember him now. But it was kind of like what he would do as a as a as someone who comes in as an undrafted free agent running back to kind of set the game as being one of the leaders in rushing for that team and also for scoring touchdowns and then just kind of decline coming from there because this guy wasn't drafted and he's 33 now he's been retired since like 2016 so he was kind of going once his prime left him but he still tried um but you know he was coming on draft he was coming out of tennessee he was with houston from 2009 to 2015 four-time pro bowler two-time rushing touchdown leader from 2010 to 2012 uh, NFL rushing yards leader in 2010. He played for the Dolphins for one year and didn't lead to anything. I think he was just there to kind of like try to make something happen. And then Jay, I think that was Jay Ajayi's yeah, first year. Games. Yeah, and but the injury bug had kind of caught up to him. But for a guy who was only, 
I, I would call him a short-term starter because he had a lot of injuries kind of building into it. He still amassed over um, 6,527 rushing yards, 54 rushing touchdowns, and he had 14 receiving touchdowns to go along with it. So I always found his career to be interesting because the Texans have a great way of being like overrated but good enough and then underrated but then never want to give too much rated and it kind of shows through the Bill O'Brien years and the Gary Kubiak years. It's my nice way of saying like you shouldn't be good but you still are and that generation with Kubiak it was Matt Schaub and Arian Foster who kind of led the way. They didn't really have a guy because remember he was kind of taking over Steve Slayton who I think was a former player we remember forget and I was looking at him but I'm like I don't remember if I used him or not so I'm going to go back to Foster because I remember any time I would play Madden with the boys and I had to pick Houston, it was like straight up Arian Foster show until play action to Andre Johnson mm. uh, with Matt Schaub's noodle arm coming into it. But he had a, a lot of good seasons and then it just kind of went down. I found him pretty interesting because he's one of the few post-NFL um, players going into it that did something interesting in his career. I know he's trying to be a, a, a rapper. He's debuted a rap album in 2018. Apparently, you know, he's going through title and then, you know, he's a very intelligent guy. He has a, I think a, a mixer channel or one of the video game channels that come into yeah. it. He has interest in doing film and television. So I think he's kind of bringing in this kind of new wave of um, how to do stuff post football post-professional sports because not everybody and i don't know him well enough to be like if he's personable to be a a superstar and like entertainment world the way lebron's trying to do space jam too because you know lebron's trying to do his collective of hollywood love once the nba careers are over and not everybody has the opportunity and the ability to um really kind of do something within that field of sports anyway to become an analyst or anything. Plus, even if you do, you suck at it. Dan Orvlosky, I know he was a guy we talked about. Like, I don't understand how you can make the guy who's most highlight of his career, and he's my goon, I'll say it right now so we can save that for transition to later, because <laughs> it has nothing to do with affiliation of any kind of protest that's going on, though mm. I will protest having third-string quarterbacks be analysts for a sport. I have no – side note, I have no problem – if you were good in college and you sucked in the pros and you actually being a coordinator for a team, that's life. Those who can't do teach, right? But right. you cannot tell me statistically picking apart a mistake that quarterbacks may or may not make when your biggest play is being known for getting a safety in your own end zone for the Lions who are haphazard and just destructive. And I think that's the year they went 0-16. I don't get it. Steve Slayton, I'm not Steve Slayton, but Arian Foster's not that guy, but he's getting his toes in there. So I, I think it's one of those few things where if he comes up in some way, shape, or form in different form of media, um, and I say media being entertainment, whether it be video game, music industry, movie, theater, or just whatever, because um, anything could be media these days, social media. Look how we got famous, right? I'm saying we're famous. I don't care. We'll be famous in the future. <laughs> um, so I found him to be interesting, and you know, he's my player we remember and forget because he was kind of blipping the radar. He's never going to be Hall of Famer, but you think about it to bring it back in is that this guy was undrafted, and you look at all the way that some guys kind of hitch their bricks on, some teams hitch their bricks on these first, second-round talents where a guy who, you know, maybe it's a sixth or seventh round could get the job done. And we look at people and teams who might be regretting those contracts and those picks, such as the Jaguars for picking up Leonard Fournette and they don't even want him anymore. And they're trying to trade him for pennies on the dollar. Mm -hmm. I mean, running backs now, I mean, 
They're just they're such an expendable position now for NFL teams. So it's just, right. yeah, we're not. It's it's it, it'll take somebody truly, I guess, great uh, to bring back the era of like the the legit running back that you basically you you you, you put the whole team on his shoulders and he'll take it to the promised land. Well, the only one has been well. What running back really has been that guy, right? I mean, because oh, I mean, you think of all these great franchises. I, the only one recently, that I can remember is like Terrell Davis, because he had an old John Elway. So that that's the only one I can really think of from the past, but um, or at least the most recent that I can think of that was significant. Because it's not Zeke, right? Yeah, I mean, no, yeah. it's not. I mean, it. I, I, you look at the Patriots; it's like, look how many guys they have flipped across their entire career so their entire uh championship run dynasty so but that's a whole long conversation all right marion foster that's i actually have one as well Ooh, all right let's do it um the rays have been doing a lot of um throwback games in the midst of the pandemic i uh, screw it. we're not we're it, it just, we're not getting paid much coronavirus <laughs> Corona. It's Corona time. Anyway, um, so they've been playing a lot of throwback games, and a lot of the games they've been playing are uh, from the 2008 season, which is mm. where we made a, the Cinderella run to the World Series, where we ultimately lost to the freaking Phillies. Um, PH, freaking Phillies. Get it? Uh, uh-huh. Um, so my player um, that I remember to forget is Akinori Iwamura. Okay, oh, I can't say that, and you know uh, that. Second baseman? <laughs> second baseman. Yeah. More lovingly called, known as Aki Iwamura. Mm-hmm. So, born coincidentally on my birthday, except in 1979. Um in Iwo Jima, Japan. Um, he started playing in 1998 for the Yakult Swallows. He's Japanese. Um, made his major league debut in 2007 for the Tampa Bay Devil Rays. Um, so, his, so he was kind of a he was an infielder. He didn't really have a solid position, although he ended up playing a lot of his time initially at third base. Um, but in 2008, there was a young up-and-coming uh, prospect named uh, Evan Longoria, mm-hmm. who you guys probably know. Uh, we miss you, Evan. We miss you so much. Damn you, Rays, for trading him. He... He was our Mr. Ray, if you will. Anywho, um, so he was a part of that season and actually got involved in two brawls um, that were kind of centered around him. Um, the first one took uh, took place with the frickin' Yankees. Um, Shelly Duncan 
slid into Iwamura's right thigh with his spikes high. Um, he was ejected, and then there was a huge bench-clearing brawl. Um, so that was March 12th, and then June 4th, and this is still an iconic moment in Ray's history. Mm -hmm. um, so what happened was... Um, so it's all started with uh, Coco Crisp. Um, wait, hold on. I'm trying to see. Um, Coco Crisp slid headfirst into shortstop Jason Bartlett, uh, injured Crisp, um, and I guess he took offense to how it was because Bartlett kind of blocked his way. So then later in the game, he started. He went to steal second again. Um, and then Chris slid hard into Iwamura uh, feet first. Um, I don't know if they were spiked high, but they definitely caught him. So another bench-clearing brawl. Um, and then interesting... Uh, and actually that carried over... Um, no, no, no. Sorry, 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 sorry. I'm misremembering everything. So Chris set, uh, slid into Iwamura. Nothing happened there. But then the next day, James Shields, one of our pitchers, uh, hit Chris in retaliation for what happened yesterday with Iwamura. And that started the huge bench-clearing brawl, which has gone down in Ray's history as a moment of awesomeness. So anyway, he was known for that but he was also known as he was the man that made the final out to send us to the World Series. He fielded a, a ground ball from... I'm trying to see the name here. Jed Lowry from uh, Boston fielded his ground ball and stepped on second himself, so an unassisted single play. Um, and as a result, went on to the World Series, which we ultimately lost. But still, uh, Aki was around for a lot of uh, big moments in franchise history in that one year. Um, so then he was traded to the Pirates uh, after the 09 season, so he was there for three seasons with the Rays. Then after that season, or at the end of the uh, uh, 2010 season, he was traded to Oakland who proceeded to release him less than a month later, and that was the end of his time in the bigs. Then he went back to Japan, played with the Tohoku Rakuten Golden Eagles. Then he played again uh, for the Tokyo Yakult Swallows. Then went to the Fukushima Hopes, mm -hmm. and uh, that was the end of his career after the 2016 season. Oh. Okay. All right. I can tell that we got this. Oh, it's been a while since all three of us had one. So, cool beans. Akinori Iwamura. So that's that's our. And he, player. as ah. an additional side note, he started a fashion trend, um, called the Rayhawk. It's oh, kind of I like remember a, that. It's kind of like a mohawk, except it's wider. And it's not as high. Yeah, I remember that. I remember that from that from, that, from uh, their run there. Okay. Well, thank you, Andrew, for that uh, nice uh, going down memory lane for all those guys. 
Got to show some love for my rays. Mm -hmm. All right, so uh, a cool thing. Uh, I guess I'll, I'll jump into some. Well, we had well Charles. You mentioned uh, EA Sports has has retained the NFL exclusivity license for another six more years. So we're gonna have another console generation of crappy football games. But Ooh, are we? we... Hmm? Are we though? Time to debate. Yes, yes, we are. Oh, there's there are some, there are YouTube channels that will gladly debate that. Um, that's for sure. But uh, oh, a fun fun fact. Okay, so the NFL 2K series was, which used to be the only competitor for EA back in the PS2, Xbox, GameCube days. That's the last time. We had some competition. Did you know that the the announcers from that game weren't real human? Like, well, they were human beings, but they were characters that they made up just for the games. Really? Yeah, they weren't legit broadcasters from you know from either ESPN or Fox or CBS huh. or what have you. They were just guys cool. that two guys that they hired. Uh, Sega hired back when it was a uh, Sega property. Uh, back for the Dreamcast, two guys that they hired and they retained them for every entry in the series. Interesting. So there is uh, hope. Yeah. So they they had some really banter and everything like that, but they were just characters that they made up and uh, two a color analyst and a play by play guy, which is pretty cool. But yeah, so that's EA. But the other thing that uh, I wanted to mention is what the Dolphins are doing with their stadium. Uh, they're gonna turn it into a drive-in theater. Oh. So oh, that's cool. Yeah, I'm gonna try to bring it up here just to show it on the screen. Uh, where's the? To Do you guys it. miss the movie theaters? Would you find yourself going to a drive-through? If I, I would, I would go to a drive-in, but not a drive-through. Oh, a drive-in. Yeah. <laughs> head down to McDonald's, just sit there. <laughs> Listen, can can I tell you guys my experience of Miami? Is when you go to like the Dolphin Mall to their theater and you can get a churrasco steak in there, changed my life completely. Yeah. So I would personally be okay with a drive-in movie theater that gave me like drive-through McDonald's as well. It would be the equivalent of just eating at home. So this is their idea. So the Dolphins, when they completely renovated uh, Joe Robbie Hard Rock Pro Player, whatever you want to call it, stadium, they have the four giant LED screens on the corners. And so yeah. because there's nothing going on right now, they're not hosting any concerts or any giant events there. They're like, hey, let's let's turn it into a drive-in theater. And it's like, it's it's almost like man how come nobody has thought of this before now, there are other stadiums out there like minor league ballparks and stuff like that that have held family movie nights and things like that but this is the first time i've seen a major sports team especially like from baseball or football where they could kind of they have the space to do it just like hey let's just turn the field into a driving theater you know everybody just brings their car parks and Watches it from there. You don't have to go to a, a a dirty old swap shop or anything like that in order to see it. So this is a good idea. 
I am a fan of it. There's an open air plaza outside of the stadium too that has a giant screen uh, when you enter the stadium. Andrew, I'm sure you've seen it. Yes, I have on multiple occasions. And so they're going to use that open air area to uh, host small groups, which uh, I think is, is pretty cool too. And yeah, that's the idea. So the Dolphins, I, I have to admit, the Dolphins have been killing it this offseason. They really have. Like, I don't know who they've hired as their public relations people, social media people, what have you, as their scouting and draft and all that stuff. But they have, they've won a lot of people over and they haven't done anything incredibly terrible so far, which is a welcome relief, if not kind of scary. I mean, you know, when Godzilla comes and destroys, uh, the stadium it's going to be a shame they they would never have won a super bowl but uh in my lifetime but still they they've been killing it this offseason so i'm i'm uh I, I if what's once this thing starts happening it's going to be pretty tough for me to like not stay away i would like to at least see one movie at that stadium of course the, the i think the ideas for the movies were like just like old sports movies and old miami dolphins football games which is like ugh. so i'm just gonna watch a bunch of old footage from the 70s which is not my 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 cup of tea so but if they can work in some you know some movies that i haven't seen have, you know lock into somebody's netflix account and play some stuff up there, then I, I wouldn't mind that. Hey, you could have some esports going on as well. Everybody in their car and watching what's going down. Uh, watch some Overwatch League or some other crap like that. Who knows? There's a lot. It's opened up some ideas for them. And it's like, hmm, I wonder if our Lord and Savior Derek Jeter would do this at Marlins Park. That'd be badass. Huh? That would be badass. Oh, yeah. That, that would be. Um, so hopefully they, they think of that too, because the baseball, I mean, now the field is artificial turf at Marlins park. So you can just have a bunch of cars on top of it now and it won't kill the grass. So that's, uh, that's pretty cool. I like this. This is a very good idea. Miami dolphins. Very good idea. You've, uh, uh, I can't believe you picked 2020 of all years just to actually do some good stuff, but Hey, you're doing it. All right, so there's that. Anything else, guys? Moving forward, ideas. Major League Baseball talk, maybe. Oh wait, we're at the halfway point. Screw that. Let's just do the non-sponsors. I would like to go first this week. Yay! My non-sponsor of the week is NCAA football. Or actually, just thirteen. <laughs> NCAA football 13 specifically. Specifically. Uh, uh, being around a bunch of mods, college football mods for the past uh, couple of months in the middle of this whole quarantine or whatever, and seeing all of these uh, things on social media or whatever, um, playing... NCAA 13, 14 more specifically since that was the last version released in 2013 because they have the backwards numbering thing, if you will. Um, 
So I was like, you know what? I, I want to get NCAA 14 because, you know, it's the newer game and it has the updated UCF logo, uh, stuff like that. They may have had the more the updated you know, uh, jerseys, but I don't think so. Um, also, we were in the AAC in, in that one. We were in CUSA in the other one. But I'm not paying 180 bucks for a video game. Supply what? and demand, people. Supply and demand. Dear Lord. Supply and demand. Everyone's like, oh my god, I need the game. I'm so bored and I want to play it again. And naturally you have a limited number of copies, so that's, wow. driving, that's driving the price up ridiculously. Well, luckily, luckily there's, there's a group of... Uh, very talented homebrew developers that are trying to make a PS3 emulator and an Xbox 360 emulator. So there's there's still a ways away from from completely uh, uh, making it very stable and everything, but it's on its way. So emulator of what? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> it's it's it, these you know the people are doing it on their own time, not getting paid for it. So who knows when we'll get a full-on, legit, stable version of either one of those systems emulators. But it'll come. It'll come. And, and with that will come an ability to play those games. And if, it, if it's anything like, like, the, like Dolphin, the Wii GameCube emulator, they can add some net play to it. It might just be the saving grace for, for that football game and to let people play it, let the masses play it again. So... That's I my do thing. Have... Sorry, a little, little aside there. I love asides. Um, so I, I'm a bit, I'm a bit rusty. I haven't played it in probably close to five years now. I had a copy uh, that my friend lent me uh, when I was up at uh, UCF, um, but I was like, you know what? I'm not going to be needing this while in law school, um, so I gave it back to him, and. Eventually, later on, I'm like, damn, that was a mistake. Um, but, um, um, yeah, I went ahead and bought it 35 bucks, which is a lot of money saved as opposed to 180 for a game that's one year newer. Um, and I started off... Uh, right now, I'm playing what's called a dynasty, which is where you take the reins of a head coach... Um, and if you want, you can work your way up, you know, start at the bottom, now we're here. Um, you know, you could obviously choose to go ahead and play as Alabama immediately, um, but that's, that's not my style, so I went ahead and started at San Jose State, uh, the Spartans, and, um, see, I'm two weeks into that dynasty, uh, and it's fine because not only are you coaching, but you have to do recruiting, um, things like that. So it's very in-depth. It's a lot of fun. So I've been playing that. I've had it for a couple of weeks now, and I play it every now and then between work and studying. Uh, so it's, it's, it's been a lot of fun, and I'm glad that I have it again. Nice. And once this is once this is all over, you guys are more than welcome to 
come over and uh, play it. Nice. Mm. I mean, that that's not the Tim Tebow one. So who was the 2013 highlight that people would try to farm and play with? Because I'm trying to remember. Because there's always that quarterback. Well, the cover athlete was Blake. Was not Blake Griffin. Gosh. Was it Robert? Was it, was it Robert? Robert RG3. Yeah. No, that that, <laughs> that that's the danger coming in from there. Um, well, it, it wasn't RG3 alone, actually. It was RG3 and Barry Sanders. Because they put a lot of emphasis on Heisman that year. Yeah. Um, because you could... They have a they have a, a game mode called uh, Road to Glory, which is, I guess, the equivalent of Road to the Show in the MLB, the show series, or... Um, whatever career mode any sort of thing has. Um, so in, in addition to just, you know, your own personal road to glory, you could do a road to glory for the Heisman winning season of was Doug Flutie, Barry Sanders, obviously. Uh, let me look that up. What? Herschel Walker. I saw a list. I think it was like Herschel Walker, yeah, Doug Flutie, Barry Sanders. <laughs> Looking, I'll tell you this, it's still a pretty good-looking football game. Oh, it is, no doubt. Um, and the it, it 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 is college football. And you know when it when I when it came out and when I was playing it, you know I did not appreciate appreciate college football nearly uh, nearly as much as I do now. Um. Mm-hmm. Yeah, lots. Basically, since 2016, or really since like 2014, my fandom has really picked up. Just, not just of UCF, but the the sport as a whole. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. I'm looking. I'm trying to see. Why can't I find out who the players are? It should be on the Wikipedia. Desmond Howard. Okay. Um, and actually, you get to. You get to choose which team you're on. So, if you wanted to be really sadistic, you could put Desmond Howard on Ohio State. <laughs> Hola, Freddie. How you doing? Yo, Fred. Hey, it's Freddie. How are you doing? So, okay. Man, that's 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 a gosh darn looking football game. And excuse me for saying that because I've been playing games that <laughs> I only go up to the. Uh, to the Wii in terms of power, so uh, anything that's even slightly better than that from, I don't know, the uh, PS3 or the 360 or or Wii U or anything on from there, it just looks like freaking the Mona Lisa to me. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's 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 a good game. I'm I'm glad I have it again. Okay. So Friday's having a beer. That's <laughs> somebody that's ever drank while watching us. So that's that's an accomplishment right there. Um, and okay, what's your promo code, by the way? Um, promo code. Uh, okay, promo code... Pray for the hackers? I don't know. <laughs> uh, promo code uh, San Jose State beats Stanford. 
because that was my week one game was against number 20 Stanford, and I beat them, I think, 28 to 7. Nice. Very nice. Okay. And we featured San Jose State before in one of our old, like, on one of our broadcasts, so that's interesting that you said that. All right. Um, let's move on. Uh, Charles, do you have one, or do you want me to go? Uh, I can go. Because I've been sitting on this one for a while, for for, for a, a good amount of time. And it's been so good that I couldn't let it escape my mind, and I feel like the world's out there. I I like to think of myself as an open man, gentlemen, but lately I find myself that I have been ignorant to the food products that are out there, particularly because I've been trying to diet very well since I guess I left law school because that's the that that's the pit of despair to where I would just shop and eat very fatty bad things. But a couple weeks ago, as I was at Publix getting a cake for my mom's birthday, um, I ran across something that I never knew existed. So I love me some Cheetos. I eat Cheetos. I love Flaming Hot Cheetos. Those are always been my favorite. I remember being 15 years old and seeing it. But then I see right beside it, because Publix was running a two-for-six sale, Jalapeno Cheddar Cheetos. And I never had them before in my life. I never knew they existed. I, I had just recently tried Takis a couple months ago, and they're okay. They kind of taste kind of hard for my liking. I don't know. Maybe I'm just an old man. But I decided to take advantage of this two-for-six deal. Instead of buying two Flaming Hot Cheetos, I was like, I'll buy a Flaming Hot Cheeto and try a Jalapeno Cheddar Cheeto. So I go home, have my Jalapeno Cheddar Cheetos, and, you know, I hear music in the background. I hear – Boss music? Uh, you know – you guys know the platters, you know, it's twilight time, you know, something very romantic, something that kind of serenades your heart. Um, that's how I felt having jalapeno cheddar Cheetos. It was delicious. And I know there's a trend of Charles just eats Cheetos when they're around because that's the KFC love that we had it uh, when I had my Cheeto sandwich. But it has the right amount of jalapeno flavoring and the Cheetos flavoring and a good amount of the cheddar. If you you think it's going to be hot, but it's kind of mild, but it's very flavorful. My mouth's watering right now even though I have some flaming hot Cheetos. But I have that with – I don't know what I had for dinner. I had I had uh, burritos. That's right. So I was just destroying that stuff when I had it, and I'm just like, oh my god, so good. And now my fingernails, my fingers, they're not just a sign that I've kind of like touched the Cheetos. Now they have a little jalapeno specks on the little artificial greens. But you guys, I gotta recommend it to you because it is just so good. So Publix keeps doing that rotation. I'm basically gonna be a slut for Cheetos now because then I'm just gonna be like, all right, let's get the Cheeto puffs, let's get the flaming hot Cheetos, but let's get this jalapeno cheddar Cheetos. Charles, it, it's Freddy like has posed to you a question on the screen there. I. I Freddie, I don't even know who Lil Zanla is. So, oh, he was hospitalized for eating too many. Talk, <laughs> talk to me, talk to me five years ago, and I would say yes, but no, I haven't gone into it. But you guys, I'm just saying that if you want to avoid be like Little Zan, but you want to support Chester the Cheeto, and you want a little bit, a little bite to it, go get yourself some cheddar jalapenos, the the Cheetos flavoring. I liked it a lot. I don't know if you guys have it. I did not know about this. I, I talked to my friends. I'm like, how long have you been telling me about this lies that I didn't know about? Because I was so insulted. But it is it is damn good. And I wow. like like anything else with Cheetos, my biggest regret is they don't have a big-ass bag. 
you know, because Cheetos will will like just deprive you of the good stuff. Like the cheese puffs and all that stuff, yeah, they're bigger bags, but give me just an extra large flaming hot and now give me an extra large cheddar jalapeno. I'm so about it. It's delicious. My mouth watering right now as we speak. Uh, promo code jalapeno. Mm. Uh, yeah, I've been avoiding spicy food since I had like a Wendy's spicy chicken kick a couple weeks Oof. ago. Oof. That did not bend very well for my stomach. Uh, in the long run, nor my sphincter. So, <laughs> uh, I've been avoiding spicy food for a while. So I'm I might not partake in these cheddar jalapeno Cheetos for now. But they're not but, bad. But the the interesting thing that I see on their website is they have a recipes section, which what? look at the screen. They got Cheetos, flaming hot elotes. Uh, Chipotle ranch wings, uh, grilled cheese and tomato soup. <laughs> no, that cheddar ranch. mac and cheese. Oh my Whoa. god! Flaming hot Whoa. burrito. Well, you guys I'm know if I knew how to cook, I would try this. Yet. Listen, we can dream. Okay, we can dream. But you guys know that I will try it if someone makes it for me, because I would like f it up. But Fried I took one for the team. Tomatoes. Uh, I took Cheeto one for the team steak. for the other one. Oh my god. Cheeto steaks is unnecessary, I would think, unless you're really trying to say seasoning. But that cheddar mac and those wings kind of look good. Look, I can go behind the spicy nachos. You got the, the meatballs. Alright, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. Limon chicken tacos. I can get behind that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very good, Freddy. Cheeses. Uh, <laughs> and the hot chocolate shake. Wow. Oof. And that's... This is honestly the guys at, at what is it Yum Brands or whatever that that owns like Pepsi and KFC and and uh, and Cheetos and Doritos and Frito Lay and 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 was it what else Taco Bell that that those are those guys and this is like what they come up with and it's like that might be a little too crazy for a menu but hey let's put it up as a recipe and yeah this is it wow I can get behind it. Oh, very good. Very nice. Uh, while, while you're playing NCAA football 13, just munch on these Cheetos. So uh, I guess I have to do mine. So my non-sponsor is the Forgotten Marlins. Guys, I actually bought you a book. You were mentioning that to me. Yeah, I actually bought a book, which is very surprising. Uh, for for anybody that knows, I hate reading. Uh, uh, I had to do it for a long time in school, and, and I've done enough reading for my life, but I guess I'll have to do it for my career, if you want to say so. Anyways, I was... I, I wrote, like, a, an article for Fish Stripes, SB Nation's Marlins site, about some ideas that I have for sprucing up Marlins Park, and... In the middle of my research, I came across this book, The Forgotten Marlins, a tribute to the 1956 through 1960 original Miami Marlins. And of course, I have a baseball cap of the original Miami Marlins, a uh, orange and blue uh, baseball cap that the Marlins wore once for a game. And I'm like, oh, okay. So I started reading, I read the description. I'm like, oh, this sounds like my cup of tea. And so far, I'm about like eight or so chapters into it, 
and it's really interesting. It's pretty cool how many big baseball names were involved with this version of the Marlins, which was a triple-A team uh, uh, back in the late 1950s, and how they tried to uh, create baseball fever back here in South Florida. This is before the Miami Dolphins existed, of course, before the current Marlins, before the Heat, before the Panthers, back when the Hurricanes were crap. Uh, well, the Hurricanes are still crap now, but, <laughs> um, ooh, yeah. Yeah, you guys have been dead since 2003, so... Anyways, uh, and so have the Marlins, unfortunately. Anyways, um, but this is, yeah, back in the day, and these teams, uh, it's it's a really interesting read. I'm enjoying it. Uh, this guy, uh, Sam Zigner, um, I might be butchering the name, but he lives down here, decided he wanted to write his first ever book, and he just wanted to write about baseball, and so uh, he did a lot of research, and hunted down some of the guys that are still alive that played on this team or were involved with the team. Uh, went to the library, went to your local public library, which people don't do anymore nowadays, but he uh, found all kinds of things about them and compiled them into this book. I'm enjoying it. I've been reading it a little bit uh, each night to help me go to sleep. And... You can get a free sample. I bought the Kindle version of it. It's slightly cheaper. Um, now I'm kind of regretting not getting a paperback version of it just to have it around and put it in my office so it looked like I'm smart. But whatever. <laughs> uh, that's fine. Um, I got the Kindle version. It's a good read. And if you just want to learn about some old baseball players, which I've been doing on our simulation series for quite a while, uh, Go ahead and do it. Just, just go ahead. So, promo code. Uh, I'm trying to find a reference from the book. Uh, hmm. I don't know. Satch. I'll say Satch. Any kind of reference or reason? Satchel Page, baby. Hell yeah. Okay. Is he a former player? I don't know much about old Marlins or anything of that nature. Oh, Satchel Page is one of the greatest players ever of all time. Baseball. <laughs> Satchel Page, Hall of Famer. Uh, is it the, yeah. to oh. learn a goof moment? I think oh. we can transition that because. Oh, sheesh. I could do it. Let's haul y'all about Satchel Page if I wanted to. I could. I didn't we should, we should. We should build up our. I don't know. I guess our information against him or, or information for him and then just do a full out one next week how does uh, that sound what, what what do you mean should i just start talking about him or or i should well, just wait for next time i'd say wait for next time okay that's fine that's fine i i can do that well i can put the guy that i was planning to do anyways uh and i i, I think i I hope we didn't do them already. Um, uh, people could take that out of context. Uh, anyways, so my Hall of Famer is Eddie Gottlieb. And he has no relation to a certain Gottlieb that we have labeled in another one of our sections. No, this is a good Gottlieb. All right? He's not a goon of any sort. He is Eddie Gottlieb. 
So he's in the Naismith Basketball Hall of Fame. And this is this is this is legit NBA bedrock, guys. This is one of the guys that helped found the league. He was an owner, he was a general manager, he was a coach, he was a promoter in sales. Charles, you like guys who are promoters? I do. Um, yeah, this is back in the day when they're trying to make basketball a thing. And so uh, there he is. Uh, he played slash, well, he didn't play for it. He worked for the Philadelphia Warriors. He owned the team. He was uh, he he was one of the, um, the guy. He moved the Warriors from Philadelphia to San Francisco, not because they were failing in Philadelphia, but he wanted to spread the game of basketball west. So he moved the Warriors all the way out to San Francisco, and the Warriors have been there ever since. Uh, he made the Basketball Association of America back in 1946, uh, which is now the NBA after they merged with the old National Basketball League. The Rookie of the Year Award is named after him. And he won two championships, 1947, the first ever, and uh, I guess, NBA championship, the first one that the NBA recognizes. Won by the Warriors, and in 1956, uh, they also uh, he, when he owned the team officially, uh, they uh, that was, that's the second championship that he has, and so yeah, this is one of the guys that that is the reason the NBA has grown exponentially. Well, this is uh, the guy who helped start it all. So, Ed Gottlieb, everybody. Congratulations, sir. That's, that's my Hall of Famer that I got for you guys. So, hmm. Anything y'all want to talk about? Anything that's out there you can talk about? I got a minor league team. I got a bunch of stuff, guys. I, I've been, I'm prepped for this one. I am prepped for this one. I am Go and do it, my friend. Guys. Okay. okay, I guess I'll keep going. Um, so, I guess I... Man... I don't want to completely hijack this episode, to be honest. Go for it. I'm cool with it, man. Andrew. Yes, sir. Stephen F. Austin. They revealed some logos today. Go Lumberjacks. about this? I did not. They are the Lumberjacks, correct? Oh, man, you are good, dude. (laughs) Dear Lord. Uh, one of the one of the I I know I know I used to do guess that uh, guess that nickname TV. with you guys, but yeah. I would love it if you guys could flip it on me to see how much I know. Yeah, it's like well, it's some obscure college, and you just you find it, man. You you <laughs> you figure it out. Wow. Um, Charles, I I have a, I have a task for you. Tell me. Go and find the most random. Give me like five teams. Find the most random teams you can think of. And after this segment, I want you to try, uh, to test me and see how much I know. All right. What's the uh, what's the sports? You know, you want it to be minor league. You want it to be college, college. football. Okay. Uh, I mean, yeah, minor league's super hard. I mean, there are some weird names out I, there. I, I mean, listen, you know, he's he's basically stroking himself on his greatness. Let's give him a challenge <laughs> now, right? You know, yeah, we, we, we don't, you know, uh, he, he's a lion, man. He just, you know, goes straight for the jugular. He ain't gonna, 
pussyfoot around, but I will I will do this to go from there. We'll call it the Andrew Knows Best segment from okay. here on out. Um, <laughs> so I will be perusing. You guys go through. Do F- you guys remember FBS, that? FBS? Uh, what was it? I think it was like a show on ESPN, Stump the Schwab or something like that. Yeah, yes. it was Stump the Schwab. Yeah, that's, that's kind of what it feels like. That's kind of what it feels like. So, so anyway, Stephen F. Austin, they revealed some new logos today. They were purple and white. And so that's uh, that's what went down today. This is the change from, hey, Andrew, they got rid of the beveling that you hate so much. Thank God. So they've changed their shade of purple to a kind of like a lighter version of it. Cool. Uh, Let's see. So there's the... Uh, one of the alternate logos, SFA. They got the 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 end of the axe with some of the I guess the the pine trees that you can see in that region of Texas. Oh, that's pretty. Yeah, it's it's uh, pretty cool. I like it. They've got the this one. They've got like the Lone Star with the trees there. I mean, it all makes sense. They're lumberjacks, so they got the Lady Jacks instead of uh, lumberjacks for their female teams and there you go all right so they're they're jacking it over that Stephen f austin that's for sure um let's see this let me see if i can just play this video here and here we go so they're showing off the pine trees so uh what uh, andrew what uh what like what conference do they play in all that stuff? That I don't know, but I know that they are Division One, and I do not believe they play football. Mm. So they're they're most they're more known for their basketball team because they, at least this past season, uh, they pulled off a major upset against who I don't uh, remember. Check the screen. Freddie's got that. They do play football. It'd be kind of weird to not have a Texas team that doesn't play football. Or to have a Texas team that doesn't play football. Southland Conference. Oh, okay. They beat Duke? Question mark. So there they are, showing off their. I think it was Duke. Good call. So that's some of their older word marks. Look at that. That's a. <laughs> Some of their older logos, and now they're showing off their history. Although, unfortunately, it looks like, uh, and I forgot about this, there's just been so much news recently, um, that that upset win will not officially count any longer because um, they had what are called, uh, they had low what are called APR rates, academic progress rate. Uh, which judges a school based on how its student-athletes are doing. Hmm. Um, So they have been... Was it football or just... So football will not be allowed to participate in the 2020 postseason, if it happens. And that's curious. That'll be interesting. If there is no season, will will that... Will that uh, will that uh, 
ban, will that carry over to 2021? We'll find out. Mm-hmm. Um, basketball cannot play in the 2021-22 postseason, and baseball will be prohibited from 2021 postseason. Wow. And um, let's see. I'm trying to – because it says uh, they have – the basketball team forfeited 289 victories uh, between the sports. So you have 117 gone from basketball, 112 from baseball, 29 in football, and 31 in softball. Yikes. Okay. So they may have revealed a new logo – but they will not be able to show that off in the playoffs anytime soon. Okay. Also, the Myrtle Beach Bowl unveiled their logo. Okay, not bad. Not bad at all. Oh, we we uh, will finish Myrtle Beach Bowl, but we have to bring something up that I saw in passing on Chris Creamer's site. And so there are the three logos, the Fenway Bowl, the Myrtle Beach Bowl, and... The L.A. Bowl. All right, not not terrible. Kind of generic, if I'm being honest. Uh, yeah, the Fedway is okay. They, uh, I was hoping they'd incorporate the Green Monster, but they have basically the, the grandstand, the press box for, um, for the stadium. So give me a second. One second, guys. Uh, I have a bit of a technical difficulty. One second. Okay. I can't hear you guys. They can't hear you either because my effing, my, my effing headphones went out. So, hmm. How am I going to do this? How am I going to keep everybody entertained for the couple minutes that I need to get this thing charged up with my super rapid charger here? Well, Andrew, you're going to talk about something and something you said that was passing with Chris Creamer. I'm going to give that like three minutes. You guys, whatever you guys are saying, they can't hear it. So you're just hearing me uh, mouthing off. So I'm just going to talk about something I was going to talk about anyways, just real quick. That is part of the news here. Yes, Andrew, LOL to that. You can kind of type whatever you want over there and we can see at the very least. Well, that thing charges for, I just need like three minutes for that thing to charge because then it'll be charged. Um, uh, Well, one news, the, the Arizona Coyotes will be wearing their Kachina throwback uniforms for the rest of the hockey season, which is basically the playoffs. They have made the playoffs. And, you know, that, that was we talked about that last week, the NHL's 2014 format. That is going to be what they're going to do once they resume play. Okay. I, I guess that was what he was talking about. So, yeah, the Arizona Coyotes are going to return to this. Andrew, I know you love this this look and i think a ton of people love this look much like we all love the mighty ducks look and hope the coyotes come back to this and make a modern update to it and keep it going with the the retro look uh especially for a team that's looking for a hope for its future in arizona a new arena somewhere closer to phoenix something like that and there we are with the, the Arizona Coyotes. Back when they used to share their arena with the Phoenix Suns. 
and uh, some some good ball, uh, some good hockey teams there. Jeremy Rennick, one of their uh, star players, and so we're gonna have that man. Yeah, Andrew. I know. I'm. I'm like killing the whole thing for you. I'm just. I just need this. The, you. I'll, I'll let you just go off. Uh, once. Uh, once I get that thing charged, just a couple more minutes, dude. Uh, let me cover the other thing because uh, you can talk about it a lot more than I can about the Coyotes. Because uh, man, you. I know you really love that logo. I like this concept here for the Arizona Cardinals. But anyways. Uh, the other thing was the AHL will be welcoming the Henderson Silver Knights. The well, I'll talk more about my experience with Wendy's Spicy Chicken. Okay, so uh, the Silver Knights, which I also love, and Andrew, I'm sure you you can talk about that too. I'll leave. I'll actually I'll leave that and the Coyotes thing to you uh, once you get back here. So anyway, so I went to Wendy's. Man, I was on a Wendy's kick, man. They have the thing on DoorDash. I think you order a certain amount, and like it's f- like free delivery and all that stuff. Uh, so for some reason, I was just maybe it was uh, I don't know subliminal messaging from Dak Prescott, but I wanted Wendy's spicy chicken nuggets and sandwiches. So I was just I ordered them like th- I think like three days in a row. I had it for for dinner or something. And night one, fantastic, great, loved it. Night two, yeah, things are going great. Night three, okay, uh, this still tastes the way I want it to taste. But night three, uh, once uh, it was in my stomach and I was in bed and trying to digest it, mm, my intestines had uh, revolted on me. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm talking about that too right now, Andrew, but in a different context. Uh, my my stomach revolted on me, and uh, let's just say I I needed a very long and cold shower after the night that I had. I could not sleep. I took Imodium. I took all kinds of stuff, but the pain was awful coming out and uh that's the reason why i'm not going to try any jalapeno cheddar cheese cheetos anytime soon Uh, my my brain just will not allow it for now all right i've had some mexican products and stuff like that but just not not spicy stuff at least nothing that goes above mild for me because i i cannot take it at this moment so that was my experience with Wendy. So I'm going to grab my headphones again and see if they're nicely charged. And we can continue with this episode. Um, give me a second to make sure these guys are here. Can you guys speak? Oh my god. Well, oh my effing, okay, wait a second, I think I can figure this out. Don't worry, guys, this is, eventually we were going to run into something stupid on this show for this episode, and we finally did it. Hello, guys? We're back. Oh, thank God Uh, you guys are back. We were uh, were about to talk about the Plunger Diablo sauce situation (laughs) that you were in. 
Well, <laughs> did not think this episode would take that turn, but it has. Well, congratulations. The world now knows that you have a sensitive tummy and that you shit easily. We're very proud of you. <laughs> Andrew, I stole your thunder. So Screw you, man. Screw I guess that, you. I guess talking about my Wendy's experience was the punishment for that. Honestly, that's the best story I've heard all day. Look, let's be real here. I don't know if it's a man thing or not, but there's nothing better than hearing a story about a person having the craps. Because it is the most relatable situation. It, it, it ties every human being. Hell, it even ties into animals one day when food comes out wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's a particular uh, red velvet shake at BurgerFi that Oof. always does the trick for me. Like it, just, like, it is automatic. Once I drink it, it's great going in, but it always comes out in a hurry. <laughs> oh, boy. Andrew, yes. so how about those Coyotes uniforms? I am so, so happy. You have no idea. Those are just amazing uniforms. I, I mean, I'm a bit biased. I mean... I, I, maybe I would say that's so tough because they're not the typical classic uniform like mm -mm. you know Chicago, Toronto, Detroit. But I think in their own way, these are some of the best uniforms in hockey. It just feels like Arizona. It is such an Arizona thing, and it's it's just it's very well balanced. I love the logo of the coyote. Um, you know, I'm always a big fan of the not stomach stripes, but that kind of like bottom stripe. They call it, like they're tail stripes, but yeah, tail stripes. Mm -hmm. I'm always a fan of those, and these are really unique. You know, they're not just a simple bland you know line across the bottom. It's got a, an awesome uh, design to it. I don't know what it's called. I guess Kachina? Yeah, I guess that's what it's Co called. Kachina? Uh, Native-inspired. Uh, it's got those... Um, the colors are magnificent, too. It's, you know, it's it's a nice balance of colors. You got the green, you got the, the red, uh, the black... It's it's just such a great uniform set, and you know I, you know I had a figure I guess not a doll not an action figure but back when they, you know, little figures of sports players were a big thing. Um, I had one of Nikolai Habibulin. Mm. Uh, That's a name. Back back when uh, he was playing for them. So that's kind of where I first fell in love with that jersey. And I was so sad when in 2003 they went away from it. Uh, it's just such a bland, bland logo. Um, and an even more bland uh, uniform. Yeah. I mean, talk about bland. Good Lord. Um, I mean, they kind of stepped it up a little bit with the new set. Uh, but, but even then, it's just like they just added more black to it. And... Right. Like, ugh, so bland compared to... And it wasn't like... It wasn't overdone either. It wasn't like... 
look at our jersey! You know, and like really in your face. It was subtle and subdued. And it's just an absolutely gorgeous set. Um, and I am beyond excited that they're bringing it back. And But unfortunately, all they've said is that they're only going to bring it back for this postseason. Uh, but I... Mean, the, I the, the, the Pittsburgh Penguins, remember, we, we talked about this. They did this themselves uh, a few postseasons ago. I think they're uh, 2016 Stanley Cup run. So, uh, and then they went full-time back to their throwback uniforms as their current uniforms the following season, and then they won another Stanley Cup. So, I, I think, I would hope that the Coyotes are looking at what their fans want, what the rest of the league wants, because uh, I think one of the cool things that you said is that as a kid, like you remember these as a kid, and it's like, well, we're the we're like the target demo for all of these sports leagues right now. So why not appeal to us? You know, boomers are not going to get the Coyote on Acid uniform, but I want the Coyote on Acid to come back. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's it's a Coyote on Acid though. I mean, that jersey you're looking at right I now. I mean, is that's a, a Coyote on a peyote trip and he's out in the middle of the desert. And uh, having his spiritual journey, that's for sure. But bear in mind, though, this was the 90s where we got uh, the the fisherman, uh, the Islanders fisherman, whatever the hell was going on with I the mean, Kings and the yeah. Burger King. Honestly, I think the Burger King would have gone over a little more if it wasn't paired with such an awful uniform. Like, yeah, I think maybe. As an alternate logo, like on the shoulders. Or a better alternate jersey with a different design than white and silver gradient than you know the nineties teal and purple everything. Go I... Marlins, baby. And here's the thing, though: if you go to the if you go to the old color set of a teal and purple team, which would be the Ducks, that actually works well. Yeah. Or specifically, it was the teal and eggplant, which is purple for regular people. That actually worked well, and. That the jersey set worked well. It just it I, stuff yeah. that came out of the '90s is very underrated. I'm, I'll be honest. Yeah, the Anaheim Ducks home uniform is like ooh, ah, that is just great. or like pull up Dallas, pull up Dallas, the Stars. That was a great uniform. Their their late '90s uniform. The the Star uniforms, right. Yeah, I could see a modern update with the current logo and colors. Like that's, um, I mean, it was, it was subtle. I mean, I mean the NBA, the Charlotte Hornets when they went like, whatever the Bobcats Hornets craziness of their history is. But man, that, that color scheme works. I mean, look at it. It's, it's, it's a work of art. As much as the Bob as the Hornets suck as a franchise right now. They don't suck with their look. They look good. They look really good. The Sharks, the San Jose Sharks, where teams, yeah. they've kept their color scheme. It, it looks great. I think, I know teal and purple everything in the 90s, but I'm a big fan of teal. That's why I'm sad that the Marlins changed their color scheme. I've 
I've come, I mean, well, I've come to I mean, I've I'm, I'm at peace with it now because if you've seen their alternate uniform with uh, their well, it's really their batting practice and spring training uniforms. When you look at it, it is as close to teal as they can get without be, it being teal. So it's it's like it's and even on the color scheme on, on the color spectrum, it is um like just a hair bit amount of green in in the color away from being teal so it's as close as they can get to it and right. it's far away from what they had before in the uh 2012 loria era so anything other than that is great and we, we like i mean i agree it's not bad but it's still not it's still not that color scheme Oh yeah, I, I mean it's I more it very based well on balanced. black than anything else. So yeah, I, I thought it was very well balanced. If I'm being honest. Mm-hmm. Um, but although the one thing I would have changed if I was the Marlins, scroll down a little bit. Um, is that I wish they had a black a black cap with a teal brim instead of the teal black. Yeah, well... I think that would have looked nice. I mean, they sell it uh, as, you know, like at Lids or something. You could find a version of that somewhere. So it's it's alright. Uh, I mean, I'm, I always like the all black. The all teal is nice too, but the all black is just... It's just beautiful, but... Um, but I'm okay with what our Lord and Savior Derek Jeter is doing right now. I the think only they're, problem they're the just trying problem, to create a new era. The only problem I have with the all black is it's nearly impossible to see the logo. Yeah, that's that's something they got to figure out. Either make it bolder in some sort of way, put like a uh, white outline. Is there a college team that has a teal, purplish '90s type of look? Because hmm. I can't think of one. Well, purple. You've got SFA. Um, yeah, I saw, but like, like North like, Northwestern has purple. Yeah, but I'm talking about like a like a teal and purple tealing coastal Coast, Carolina. Car- that is true. Coastal Carolina has teal, and actually, as a matter of fact, their um, their football te- field is teal. It's all teal. That okay. That's that's all it is. It's just all teal. Okay. The Chanticleers, the Coastal Carolina Chanticleers, which is a reference to a rooster in some... Chanticleer, po- baby. To some poem or whatever. Mm-hmm. Is it a cockadoodle? Or they made a movie, Disney, with Rock-A-Doodle-Doo. I think they had a reference to that, too. Oh. And uh, the Chants, as they're known... Um, won the uh, College World Series, I think, in 2016. Okay. Ah, uh, Keggy from Dartmouth. <laughs> Good old Keggy. All right. So there's uh, that's some of the local news that has come out. Uh, that took a while for us to get through. Uh, sorry about that. Do Let's we see. want to? Uh, Freddie sent me something. Do we want to take a look at what he's got? Well, okay, we're in the last nine minutes. Oh, we are. So okay. We can do it quick, or, or, or you we, can see if you can do it something quick. 
We but... uh, we should probably just save it to next week so we can give okay. him give yeah, him you... his much deserved time. Okay. Well, it's our last ten minutes, and usually that means we head off to a certain cage with Charles. So it's been uh, what like a couple weeks since we've oh. been here. Oh yeah, let me let me get through the the normal oh introductions and go from there. So welcome everybody to your weekly Truplex, the Cage with Charles. Full disclaimer: Wrestling is not fake; it is scripted. It is a dance, it is a ballet, it is poetry, contrary to certain wrestlers' beliefs. But what do I know? I'm just a guy who's been following it for 20 plus years, give or take a few years. Go weird stuff. It's a story about men and women chasing titles blood feuds, and just kind of entertaining the crap out of you during this weird COVID pandemic that's going on. So, gentlemen, a lot of stuff has kind of happened in wrestling, and I've been off the air for a couple of weeks because, you know, uh, Charles does Charles things sometimes. So I'm trying to figure out how to kind of preface it because AEW, a couple of weeks back, had their double or nothing pay-per-view. I heard there were certain things that were good. I know we kind of kept in the communication line about it because two of the big things that happened was Mike Tyson now kind of returning to mm-hmm. the fro of professional wrestling. Mind you, you know, Iron Mike was popular in the late 90s when he was there with DX for a little bit to help put over Stone Cold Steve Austin at WrestleMania when it was him versus Shawn Michaels. Now he was there to introduce the TNT Championship. And I've sat silence on this on social media side from texting you guys about what I feel, but I fear now, if anything, is the moment to talk about the TNT Championship and how I feel about it. First off, congratulations to Cody. As you know, Cody you know, was in the finals against Lance Archer from what I saw in the YouTube highlights because Cody, as much as I support what is opposition ha- Charles, McMahon, hold on. <laughs> Wait a second. I, ha- I need some context as to what's going on the screen here. Yeah, well, you know. Okay, so let's talk I, about this. Uh, there's a, there's a, uh, um, Chris Jericho, uh, Mike Tyson. Yes, and everybody on in the ring at this moment is that Brad okay. Williams? Uh, no, 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 no. So okay. in that ring <laughs> is you know Iron Mike came back a little bit during the years I wasn't watch wrestling, but he came back a little bit, had some few with Chris Jericho relevant to now. But in that ring is D-Generation X, the new version, I guess, of Shawn Michaels and Triple H. They were originally OG, but then they had Hornswoggle, the honorary member. Hornswoggle was a wrestler for the WWE who came in as being, I guess for lack of better words, I don't know if it's PC, but a leprechaun to fit Finley. And mind you, wrestling in 2003 was kind of weird. Wrestling's okay. always kind of weird. Because remember, there's characters. And for every like simple Drew Gulak, Daniel Bryan's you know, cutthroat submission tacticians, you get weird stuff like maybe a Hornswoggle, a Papa Shango. Hell, you had the Godfather pimping the ladies out. Yeah, wrestling's weird. Like, let's, it's in character art. Let's keep it at that. So Iron Mike's there, feuding with Chris Jericho, and then he just kind of pops one in the chin right there. Bam, going from that. So it's kind of relevant to now in 2020 because the feuds kind of resurfaced. So Iron Mike was there to present the TNT Championship. He came back onto AEW Dynamite last week and was uh, getting in Chris Jericho's face. So I guess they're going to kind of continue that. So I don't know if Iron Mike's just using this as a platform to get back to some kind of third-party boxing or... Tony Khan is just throwing money at Iron Mike to be like, hey, 
come, you know, make a highlight for us. And I don't think AEW needs it to have the kind of pull old celebrities in, but, you know, everybody has their moments of weakness. My buddy said it best, so I'm going to talk about now, when he was confronting uh, Chris Jericho, when Iron Mike was taking off his shirt, he kind of reminded him of LeVar Ball, and I, I can't not stop laughing about it. Um, Iron Mike scares the crap out of me. I love me some Tyson. I love to watch some old YouTube highlights of his boxing days when he just kind of murders people. Um, and he's also very quotable. But I don't know if you want to kind of make this into your main attraction for people to want to watch every Wednesday uh, as a side storyline because I don't think Jericho – I don't know if they have a set plan for Jericho who he's actually wrestling or if he's just going to be feuding with Cody now that the TNT championship is upon him. What I care about more is just how I'm not a fan of that championship belt that he presented. I thought about it. Why is it that both the WWE and now AEW have made it a emphasis to kind of harken back to the Power Ranger days and give you something that's kind of like a hodgepodge of their attire? Because the WWE has a 24-7 championship, which our truth just won back from Rob Gronkowski last night, where he has the colors are green and gold. And now you have the TNT Championship, which reminds me of the Red Power Ranger. So it's like red and silver. And I'm just surprised that AEW would kind of, for lack of a better word, whore itself out to have to... Terrible neck tattoo championship. Jesus, that's great, because Cody's tattoo is terrible. <laughs> but how you kind of would whore yourself out to the your provider of your cable show by giving their own thing. I thought they should just call it the Dynamite Championship because it makes sense because your weekly television show is called Dynamite. But it's just – it's kind of like something that a a father buys his middle school son for like doing something in school. <laughs> like here's an accomplishment. And I know they said there's going to be gold plating to accentuate it because it's incomplete because of the pandemic. But I don't even know if gold plating can save it. I think it's the ugliest title I've ever seen. And even Cody, who is a very good wrestler, phenomenal in spots, holding it doesn't really help it because I can't deter away from it. It bleeds my eyes. It bleeds my eyes the way the first time I saw the Universal Championship when it was first unveiled originally, looking like the fruit roll-up. And it's just a weird contrast to the AEW Heavyweight Championship, which looks great. It's a big gold-plated thing, and I, I just can't get behind it. I don't like ugly titles. It is literally on my top five list of most ugly titles I've ever seen in professional wrestling. I think the number one for me is always going to be the Spinner WWE Championship because I hate it so much when John Cena won the World Heavyweight Championship and they introduced it because I thought it was Vince McMahon's obviously, you know, lack deaf ears just introducing a title to try to get into a crowd via stereotypically because you got to remember John Cena circa 2004, 2005 was the white rapper. Um, so of course we're gonna give a fucking, excuse my French, a spinny title. Vince McMahon just makes me lose my mind. I've always hated that spinner championship, but that, that TNT championship is just ugly. That TNT championship, did you guys remember the show Ultraman? It was, yeah. uh, yeah. one of those, it, that's, it, it looks like it's part of his attire. And it's, it's a Japanese, uh, kaiju, like show, Super Sentai. <laughs> yeah. I, I loved watching it as a kid, but it remind it is basically Ultraman's like, you know, belt that he will wear to go ultra. Mm -hmm. And here's the thing that I think Cody's kind of figured out after getting that terrible neck tattoo. Cody, I love you. Follow us on Twitter, Sports Goof, <laughs> FJOJR, Dan Frijoles, Charles LaTrue. I follow you. Cody, reciprocate here. Um, it, it, the idea is that what, 
once you make a decision, there's no going back. And with championship designs, you don't go back for a while, for at least a couple months to kind of come into it. And this title was introduced without a lack of crowd reaction, so they're really relying on social media to kind of like help them out. But if it's fallen on deaf ears, it's fallen on deaf ears. That being said, bring it back to AEW before I switch it into WWE. So they're going to kind of push a couple things. Brian Cage won the number one contendership to go against John Moxley. That'll happen at a Fighter Fest. Um, you have Jungle Boy who won the tournament to go against Cody. I think that should be a good match. Uh, tag titles, I think it's best friends getting a future shot between them versus Omega and Hangman Page. I think that should be a very good match. I'm a very big Hangman Page. The highlight of the pay-per-view was the stadium stampede. It was wrestling all jumbled in. If I love the Undertaker's last ride boneyard match with AJ Styles and... Um, Undertaker, everybody told me I would love the stadium stampede. I haven't had a chance to watch it. I do other things too in my life besides wrestling, but not much more than that. But I will give an eye to it. So they've been keeping consistent with the ratings. That's good for them. Switching over to WWE, NXT in your house, pay-per-view, June 7th. Your boy is ready. He's ready because part of the problem with having these decent matches on TV, on basic cable, is the commercials kind of interrupt it. Well, it's not going to happen here. What we have is Karrion Cross, a.k.a. the former Killer Cross, going against Tommaso Ciampa. That better blow my eyes out. I expect that to be good. Velveteen Dream is challenging Adam Cole for the NXT Championship in another cinematic match. Let's see what happens there. I'm kind of already done with the cinematic matches. I think it was good with Taker. I think it was good with Bray, but I think everything has else been ruined. You have the match that's probably going to be the highlight, the triple threat for the Women's Championship of Charlotte Flair, going against Rhea Ripley, going against Yo Shirai. I really hope Yo wins so she can get her prestige that she needed, and I want Charlotte away from NXT. I want her stuck on Raw. Let her keep there. Congratulations, Apollo Crews. You won the U.S. Championship last year, Memorial Day. Hopefully Vince doesn't take the title away from you. Uh, you know This is a good opportunity, not that there's no crowd in the um, in, at the arenas, to actually put belts on people to see how they work with it without hearing the boos or hearing the cheers. You can kind of test it out, let talent be talent. Um, other highlight, I believe, I don't know if they made it official yet, but they're going to have Johnny Gargano versus Keith Lee for the North American Championship. I'm watering at the taste of it because of some good wrestling. And so overall, it's going to be working for me. Over in the main roster stuff of Raw and SmackDown, Andrew, they're still continuing Randy Orton versus Edge. This time they're labeling it as the possible greatest wrestling match ever. At Backlash, it's probably going to be the most okay wrestling match because you know Edge is going to have a little bit of that ring rust. But we'll see what happens. Besides that, Bobby Lashley is going against Drew McIntyre for the belt. They haven't decided what's going on with the Universal. No, they have. It's going to be a handicap match of Miz and Morrison versus Braun Strowman. Why? I don't know, but I think it's just kind of like a little filler before The Fiend comes back and takes that belt from Braun Strowman. Needless to say, wrestling itself is still kind of stagnant without crowds, without the full talent. They are doing the Intercontinental Championship bracket because Sami Zayn was stripped of it because he's not going to participate in any of the shows because of the pandemic that's going on. So in the finals, it's going to be Daniel Bryan versus AJ Styles. They have a lot of history together. They used to feud over the WWE Championship. I don't know what they're going to do. I think they'll probably put that icy belt on AJ just to kind of have him have all the main belts. But it'll be interesting what they do from there. Other thing I can think of is uh, a lot of new signings that were released on that Black Monday, I guess, or Black Wednesday a couple months back from WWE have now started to appear slowly. Deanna Parazzo from NXT is going to Impact Wrestling. You have the uh, FTR, which I can't say what that F word starts for, but they used to be formerly known as the... Um, 
not the revolt. I'm thinking of their old name, but the uh, the revival of Dash and Wilder, uh, Dash and Dawson are now over on NXT. They're hoping to kind of, or not NXT. I'm sorry, AEW. They're hoping to feud with uh, the Young Bucks out there. Revivals. They're good wrestlers. Their their character work was kind of bland. They were great in NXT, and then when they got called up to SmackDown and Raw, they kind of lost luster. Because here's the thing about Vince McMahon. I'm gonna say it now. Because, you know, I, I felt like I say a thousand times, Vince is more about the entertainment than the wrestling, but AEW might be a little bit more about the wrestling, so good luck to uh, Dash and Dawson, or as their new names are, is Dax Hardwood and Cash Wheeler. Wrestling names are weird, you guys, and I don't know if Cash Wheeler and Dax Hardwood are, like, the two names I will want for wrestling, because, you know, they change it for licensing rights, but Dax Hardwood sounds like something from a porno, and Cash Wheeler... <laughs> Just sounds like something that ten-year-old Charles would make with his boys when they have the secret cool club with their friendship bracelets, and we have nicknames for the honeys, and be like, "Hey man, what's your name?" I'm like Cash Wheeler. Uh, hopefully, it works. Ace McMasty. Ace McMasty. Uh, you know Charles Cashman. You know because I'm the cash baby. I don't know. I mean, but ha- granted, in today's modern times, maybe that is what a like a white kid's name is, Ace McMasty. Though I gotta tell you, Ace McNasty is probably the best DJ name I could think of, or actually like an indie heel manager name. So I'm I'm gonna steal that from you. In fact, you know what? If I actually cared about my social media handling, I would change it from Charles Shoot to Ace McNasty. Thank you, Francisco. You really enlightened me of who I should be as a human being. And I I think that's what I got for you guys this week in the cage. <laughs> All right. So, uh, we're at two hours here. I guess we could talk about some real MVPs. Um, as far as baseball is concerned, there are some good ones. And uh, there's one in particular for the Los Angeles Dodgers that I want to talk about. Is that uh, Senior Price? Oh, yeah. He oh, yeah. hasn't even played a game with the team, and he's already uh, endeared Already more popular. Huh? Already more popular than half the team on that roster. Uh, well, I mean, at least with the minor league players there. So, uh, as far as baseball is concerned, they are. There have been hundreds of minor league baseball players that have been released over the past couple weeks now. It's something that happens, but not to this extent because of uh, certain situations. The fact that baseball hasn't even started playing, the fact that there's probably not going to be a minor league season, anyways. So a lot of players that were on the fringe are just getting released and they're basically their livelihoods are gone. But a lot of other players, uh, a lot of teams have, uh, I think minor league players are getting paid like $400 per week or something uh, to, to survive. Uh, that's, well, that's not even a, a pandemic thing. That is what they normally get paid. So... Some teams, like the Oakland A's, are particular goons because they are not going to pay anybody, even though their ownership has the money to do so. I don't care how crappy the Coliseum is. The A's are uh, they're, they're still in Oakland. Their owner still has a couple billion there on the side. And so uh, they have not committed any money to their minor league players. But some teams have. Uh, one of my... Uh, one of them is Derek Jeter, our Lord and Savior. Other teams have stepped up too as far as trying to pay their minor leaguers and have committed at least through June, some teams through August like the Marlins have. Um, so that's that's some good news, even though a lot of there's a lot of issues with how much minor league players are getting paid. As 
some teams that are going to be that Major League Baseball wants to cut and reduce minor league systems now. That's a whole thing that's going to be coming to a head within the next year. But David Price, he's getting paid a ton of money, that's for sure. But he has decided to commit $1,000, I think, for per week for each of the Dodgers minor league players. So this is a player that is doing so, not not the team. The Dodgers later, like I think like maybe like a day later, announced that they would. But David Price, he stepped up first, and he stepped up with a lot more money. So, I mean, he is a real MVP. He is. He is. Uh, as a lot of people think that the minor league players are just as privileged or as as getting paid a boatload of money like the major league players, but no, a lot of them are just making twenty k per year. They're they uh, a lot of them work second jobs in the off season or sometimes during the season, so it's uh, or have to rely on their on their spouses or something to help them or their families to help them get by. So, um, that's that's what's uh, that's what's happening. So David Price, man, you are a real MVP. That's for sure to go along with your your Cy Young award. All right. Any more from you guys? Um, I got one. I mean, Brian Flores, Miami Dolphins coach. I sent you guys the link mm-hmm. of what he said and how important it is of what's going on in today's world in regards to what's happened to George Floyd. I won't quote it verbatim. I'll keep it very brief. Essentially, just saying that he has it's his job, not just as a coach. But as a human being to help develop young men coming into it and a system how to deal with this process of and I'm paraphrasing in my way, my interpretation is to help out so they understand the process coming into it. You want to read more, Google it out, but help him in a system in these trying times and you know, help young men become full men. And I think it's kinda of inspiring because you haven't seen a I think he was the first major head coach to kind of do anything to make a statement. And that's, that's from all sports, I would say, because now you got the generic answers from like Greg Popovich. Gosh, darn it. Hold on, Charles. I, ah, my, my headphones went out once again. Hold on. You hold that thought. All right. You hold that thought. I'm, I'm going to go off on another tan of, uh, I don't know, self degrading monologue. So give me give me a topic, guys, real quick. I can talk about it for like two minutes. Let that thing charge, and we can close out this show right. Because I thought that damn thing was charged. Your experience with wrestling? Well, I haven't wrestled myself. But as far as my experience with wrestling is concerned, I never really watched wrestling when I was a kid. At least early on, when I was a kid, I I just uh, you know just nothing. My nobody in my family. Uh, had any influence from or or any of my friends early on but then i uh, around 98 99 when um my dad and my parents bought the the house that i pretty much grew up in um uh from tweens to teens and and even more so afterwards uh one of my uh neighborhood kid that i i got to know became my best friend luis he was a wrestling fan. He had, you know, action figures. He had freaking uh, watch here. So, oh, never mind. 